If you brought your Bible with you, find Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Amen. Father, we're so thankful tonight for this opportunity to gather in your name. I believe that you're at work in our midst. Lord, to set free, to to loosen those bonds that people are afflicted with. I believe you're here to set at liberty those who are bruised. Lord, as we preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Thank you for your help now. Lord, thank you for utterance and giving us a word to share in due season in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Luke chapter 2, let's, let's pick up here in verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which uh, will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. Who's it toward? Toward men. That includes women too. Thank you, Lord. And uh, uh, what did the Lord do? He brought peace toward men, peace toward us. I don't know if you've ever been uh, somewhat confused sometimes during this time of year singing songs and you found yourself singing them. Maybe your hand slipped up in the air and then then it dawned on you. I don't have a clue what that means. (laughs) What I'm talking about. Am I the only one who's ever thought, I'm singing about Deo and I don't know if... What in the world is Deo? <laughs> Let alone Excelsius. <laughs> uh, and, and who's Noel anyway? I mean, and, and we sing all these, <laughs> sing all these words. And uh, anyway, if you've if you've if you've been there, I've been right there with you at different times. And I'm sitting there singing, you know, in Excelsius Deo. But I looked some of those things up, and I found out that just meant simply glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. And, uh, and, and you, ever, you ever wonder about the round yawn virgin? <laughs> well, I've sang that many times too and thought, what is that? What is round? Is it really round? Or what about yawn? <laughs> I think I know what virgin means, but what's, what's this yawn? This yawn stuff. And, uh, and I, you know, looking some of these things up, it just simply means they were, ga- it means in, in the context of that song, gathering around the virgin. And, uh, and some of you probably think, you didn't, re- you really didn't know this? And you're smarter than me. Uh, <laughs> what about Yuletide? Everyone, anyone ever thought about Yuletide? <laughs> Does that have anything to do with a mule, maybe? Or what's that? Well, come to find out, that's just an archaic, ar- archaic term for Christmas. And it had some, I guess it had some origins before it even was used for Christmas, but uh, simply what that's what, basically what it's talking about today. Noel means Christmas. And, uh, and many times people lose the true meaning of Chris, Christmas in our day. And it's sometimes sad and sometimes even laughable 
everyone trying to explain the true meaning of Christmas. I've read some things even today, just, uh, uh, you know, emails and different things and people trying to say, and the true meaning of Christmas is, and they go out, go on to state some philosophical, deep uh, nothing. <laughs> and basically, it, they miss the entire point of what Christmas really is. Even if a person says, well, the real meaning of Christmas is just about giving. Well, how many know that's not true? I mean, there's a definitely an overarching and underlying uh, truth about Christmas and giving. God so loved the world that He gave, right? But how many know if we just boil it down to it's just about giving, we really miss the point. We really miss what the gift really was. And any time, I think most of us know this, maybe some of you don't, but any time you extract Jesus out of Christmas, all you've done, you've, you've just got another natural holiday void of power. People do a lot of things and get families get together, but it's nothing really more than that. We've got to get back to the, the foundations of this and understand, understand what Christmas is really about, what this time of year was about. You know, when you think about Jesus, you think about the birth of Jesus, I want you to know that that is uh, one of the most amazing things that has ever happened in history. And not just from the standpoint that, you know, maybe a hero was born. I mean, because there have been other people who have been heroes in life. There have been those who who have done great things and, and contributed much to humanity. And, uh, but their birth, though turned out to be something of value and something of note, their birth wasn't necessarily supernatural in nature. Their birth really didn't have anything unusual or, uh, again, spiritual about it. Uh, but the birth of Jesus, it wasn't just a normal child that would someday do something great. Uh, we must recognize the depth of what was happening on that day and, and, and not just see things from the outward. Even us as believers, although we're not, you know, just uh, going to limit this day to a few snowmen, a few snowflakes, a Santa Claus, and, you know, a, a tree, and, you know, some of these nice decorations and some of those traditions, we know this is a little deeper than that. But at the same time, we don't want to be limited in our own minds just when we see the manger scene uh, and just, just to think about the, the natural side of that story. Though miraculous it was naturally, uh, just to be aware of a, a baby that was born. And just think of Jesus as a baby. Hmm? It wasn't the baby that saved your life. It wasn't the baby that redeemed your life from destruction. It was, that was the beginning of something powerful and something amazing. But for that event to transpire, back up for a moment in your mind. Uh, you know, because the scripture says uh, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 that his name would be called Emmanuel. What does that mean? That means God with us. How many know that kind of sets him apart from everybody else already? We're not just talking about some cool baby here. Not just talking about some baby that's, you know, developing really quick, got good motor skills and, you know, learning to speak really early and potty trained at a very young age and just, just an outstanding child here. No, we're talking about God in the flesh, and that's beyond, I think, our comprehension sometimes the, the, to imagine how this event transpired and how this took place. But what an amazing thing. God with us, and there he is, a baby. If you think that's amazing... Think for a moment if you were the baby's mom and you have to raise God. That could be a challenge, huh? <laughs> Especially when it comes time to, you know, Jesus, <laughs> clean your room. <laughs> Might want to watch your tone. <laughs> Mother, 
Judgment day is coming. (laughs) But if you back up a little bit and think about the, the birth of Jesus, that started long before it ever happened physically on the earth. Imagine God deciding, because the the decision was made, knowing the condition of man, that God himself would become a man in order to be a substitute for us, bear our sin, bear the penalty of our sin, so that we could get off scot-free. But imagine for a moment God doing that. He lives and exists in absolute perfection, in a limitless life, there is no evil. There's, there's just nothing of limit of any kind. And God chooses himself to become part of his cre- own creation. Knowing, because as God, he knows everything. As man, he didn't. But as God, before he got in the earth suit, he knew everything. And he could see every step of the way of what was about to happen to him. <laughs> he could see that he was going to be dirty and stinky and tired and hungry. He could see that he was going to put himself in a position where others would attack. And others would, and then of course the ultimate goal and the ultimate reason for him coming, he saw the beating up front. He saw the whipping. He saw what was going to happen with the sin of the world being placed on him. And knowing all that, he said, I mean, obviously, I know there's my few adjectives right there. Didn't do it justice. We're not really experiencing the full weight of that. You know what I'm saying? It would take me a while to really try to write that out and still couldn't do it justice. I'd have to do it in tongues. (laughs) No one would get that. (laughs) Uh, But he saw this all ahead of time. And he said, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step down. I'm going to become a man. That decision to do that and what transpired before Bethlehem was a huge and and miraculous thing that God decided to do on our behalf. And the Bible tells us, look with me if you will, Philippians chapter 2. Go quick if you can because I feel like I'm in high gear here. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Another translation, Amplified, says about that verse there, verse 7, it says, But he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity and was to assume the guise of a servant, slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And so God, being all-powerful and all-knowing and omnipresent, he had all this inherently from eternity past as just by nature of who he is. We can't even wrap our minds fully around that. But he said, I'm going to lay all this aside for the sake of human beings, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to be born. And he didn't even get to start out like, you know, come and show up at 25. (laughs) Show up at zero, nine months. Amen. 
And he started and he laid all that aside. And, uh, you know, sometimes you hear people saying, well, Jesus healed people as the Son of God. How many understand that's not true? Jesus didn't heal anybody as the Son of God. He healed them as the Son of Man, anointed by the Spirit. That means the life that he lived, he was just like you. And he was just like me. The only difference, he didn't sin. But he came, he was tempted. He had to deal with all the junk and all the natural stuff that we have. But he lived a life anointed by the Spirit of God. And what a great life it was. And so the sacrifice, again, didn't begin at the cross. It started in Bethlehem. Now, here's my second point here tonight. That was number one. Everybody got it? All right. It was behind the scenes. It was before he came to Bethlehem. But uh, when Jesus came and was born of a woman that again was no small feat and I mean that from this standpoint many times people don't realize what has to go into God getting his will done in the earth for God to have what he wants accomplished in your life or in the world at large is kind of challenging. Now, if some think, well, he's God, he just does whatever he wants because he's God. The person who says that does not know the Scripture, doesn't know the Bible. This was kind of a challenge. This was a big deal. Someone might wonder, after the fall of man, why didn't God do like the whole Jesus on the cross thing in a few years? Or if he had to be born right away, why couldn't that happen quickly? And then, you know, this world wouldn't be bound in sin for thousands of years. Why couldn't he have done that? Because he turned the earth over to Adam. And Adam turned it over to Satan. <laughs> and God did not any longer, though he, he retained ownership, he did not, not retain the right to just step in and do whatever he wanted at any time. He loved man, and he had a plan, and he had a, a, you know, a design to redeem man back to himself, but it took a while. I don't believe it took what we believe to be about 4,000 years in that time. I don't believe it, he, it took those 4,000 years just because God wanted to just take his time. He was just kind of moseying along. no. But some things had to take place. And the, the way it happened was, it, let me show you this over in, in John chapter 1. This will show you the principle. In John chapter 1. Now this is powerful, not only because of, hopefully it will open our eyes a little bit and help us to see beyond the, the external manger scene. But the same principle here applies for you and I today. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus. The Word of God became flesh. Now we know the Word is Jesus, but Jesus wasn't called Jesus before Bethlehem, right? He was the Word of God, but I don't think it's by accident that the Bible says the Word became flesh. What's the Word? It's what I'm speaking. Everybody with me? 
what, what the Lord did right from the beginning when man fell and he had a plan, God began to speak. He began to declare by giving a little picture here and a little picture here and saying how it would happen here. But he just, he couldn't just pull it off without that. Again, because he turned the earth over to man. And so he would get people in the earth over a long period of time to say what he wanted to do. He would get people to say unto us, a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And, and many, 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 many scriptures. He would begin to have a, a prophet here, a prophet here, speak and sing. And different events would prophesy about what God wanted to do. And I, I just, I come from this point of view. I don't believe God does things that aren't, that aren't necessary. Just whatever. Just taking up pages in our Bible to give us a you know, nice looking Bible. I'd rather have a smaller one if you've really asked me. I mean, less to figure out. <laughs> I believe everything that he did, everything he, everyone he spoke through, it was necessary to bring about his ultimate plan. And what we're talking about and celebrating today here is his ultimate plan. Yeah, He had to get people to say what he said. He had to get someone to receive a word from himself and believe it enough to say it. To say, thus says the Lord. This is going to happen. And this is what God's going to do. And, this, and over time, over a period of years, these things started coming together. And all the puzzle pieces were fitting together. And, God, and the people on the earth were being primed. God sent a law to let everyone know, you're heathens. <laughs> right? He sent a big list of rules so they could know that they couldn't do it. So they would know, man, we need help. We need a Savior. We are messed up. And everything got ready. Amen. And in the right time, God had picked some people. And He picked a woman named Mary, didn't He? And Joseph. And an angel appears. And Mary gets a word. And what does she do with it? This is make or break time here. Now, no doubt, God, knowing everything, knew what she would say. But still, it was up to her to make the right choice. Without taking time to look there, it's Luke 1.38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed. What happened? God found another person. This was the last piece in the puzzle here. To get himself in the earth to redeem mankind he found a woman who would receive a woman who would believe his word say well anyone would believe if an angel appeared not so you've got we we don't take time tonight but there are other examples of god sending an angel angel to someone and them bucking against it and them not receiving but when Mary said, be it unto me according to your word, something supernatural happened. Come and understand, the virgin birth was not just the fact that Mary had never known a man. 
in, in, and so she was a virgin in that regard. But listen, Jesus came not as a natural sperm. Jesus came as a word of God. God spoke and she was supernaturally carrying God in her womb. And it took a while to get that to happen. I'm telling you, all, none of these things happened by accident. None of these steps were unnecessary. It was necessary for God to get people to receive His Word. And when they did, ooh, glory to God, all of a sudden the Redeemer has got skin. <laughs> all of a sudden the Savior of the world is in position at last to live a life and to become the ultimate sacrifice for your life and for mine. In fact, the Scripture tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Watch. Through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. How many understand that just like Jesus being born as a result of God's spoken word. A person receiving a word from God caused this amazing miracle. I want you to know the Lord still works that way today in your life and mine. The primary way He's going to do something, He's going to change your life is through a word. I don't I don't know of anything more valuable that I can give you. I can pray, I can lay hands on, I can do whatever I can do. But I tell you what, if I can bring and if I can get you to receive a word from God, it will change everything. I mean, you might want people around you to be saved. You, Some of you have family and friends that are not serving the Lord. They don't know Him. And you want them so bad and you're praying for them. How many know they cannot get saved unless they receive a word? The moment they receive a word from God, it will be an incorruptible seed. And it will cause them to be born again. For those of us who are already walking with the Lord... And you want to have a great life. You want to have success. And you want to make an impact. You want to do great things in life. I'm telling you one of the things that you ought to seek more than anything else. Is to have a word from God. When you know what God wants you to do. When you hear from Him. Whether it's through my message. Whether it's through your study time in the Word. Whether it's through going to church on a, uh, on a weekend. Uh, however that comes. When you hear something. When you know it's God talking to you, that seed will be the beginning of greatness. That seed will be, within, within that seed is the very ability of God to carry out what He wants you to do. And see, listen, these things don't change the same way that He had to work and was necessary for Him to move and speak to get His plan of salvation in the earth is the same exact way that He moves today in people's lives. He wants to talk to you. He, he wants you to hear His voice. He wants you to understand His will and His ways. And the moment you receive it, everything starts to change from that point. 
I'm telling you, how, how, many, how, how many understand what I'm talking about here? You, you can relate a time in some way or fashion where you knew what God was saying to you. You knew that God was speaking to you, whether it was just about your salvation and eternal life or about something He wanted you to do. When you knew it, it started your life in a different direction and a different course. And those who don't know it wander about. And they don't, they kind of wander about aimlessly, not knowing really what their purpose and place is in this world. But I'm telling you, if you'll look to Him, everything begins with a word. Everything begins with a spoken word from God. When you hear it, everything begins to change. It's that spiritual seed that must be planted in your heart in order to bring forth a miracle. Christmas is about when the Word became flesh. Amen. What's Christmas about? I mean, you might stun some people. They won't know what you're talking about. Well, what's Christmas mean to you? (laughs) God's Word became flesh. And when they look at you strange, explain it. As the greatest miracle. Come on. Up until the resurrection of Jesus, the greatest miracle. Greater than creation, greater than other things. What is Christmas about? Again, it's God sending His Word to change humanity. Amen. I think Christmas is about, it's about Molly's life, who was saved as she was, as she was healed from a stroke. It's about, it's about Brandy following the Lord the Lord's leading that got her a job when 149 others didn't. It's about Alan giving away his watch only to receive a better one and helping somebody else with it by their TV getting a better one for himself. It's about Angie's son now walking with God in answer to prayer. It's about Terry's cousin got saved after he prayed for him. It's about Lacey who was set free from diabetes as she rejoiced in the Lord. It's about Carolyn's daughter who was healed of Crohn's disease. It's about Sarah who was healed of a hernia. Or Kevin's rotator cuff that was healed instantly. Or John's back and his popping jaw that was healed and set free. It's about Chris being healed from warts. And and Jeanette who was healed from a hearing loss. And Sharon who was healed in her hip and her knee. And Megan who was healed of asthma. And Julie's heel was healed. And, and, And Carrie was in prison watching the TV program and got saved. And on and on. And on and on. We see the miracle power of God in demonstration. I tell you what, Christmas is more than about just singing the songs and caroling and Christmas shopping and having a tree and the decorations and I'm not against any of that kind of stuff. I tell you what, it is about God invading the realm of of human beings. It's about God's Word coming forth so He can invade your life and do what He always wanted to do. He always wanted to make your life more than it's ever been. Always wanted to make it better. Always wanted to lift you up and make you happier than you've ever known. And it's through His Word being implanted in your heart that He's able to do it. If we will step up tonight and say, I receive the Word of God. For some, that's Jesus I mean, for all at some point, some tonight it's Jesus and it's others putting themselves in a position when God speaks, oh, I want that. Man, I want whatever He wants in me. And I receive. We say like Mary did. Come on, you respond to the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word.
Some said, I don't know how in the world this is going to happen. Zip it. Until you're ready to say, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And when you can say that, and when you'll say that to him, that's when he gets an opening into your life. That's when his power is readily available and he's going to rush in like a mighty force to do what, what you could never do on your own. To do what mankind could never do, it could never fix. God is able to do it in a moment. Thank you, Lord. Father, for every single person who has come tonight, I'm so thankful that you love them so much, that you gave your life that they might be free that you gave your life for me, that I would not have to live my life just in my own resources, in my own smarts, and my own ability. But what you've done in me is a supernatural work, and it can never be taken away. Father, I pray for those who have come tonight. Every single person here, those in the main auditorium, those out in the, in the foyer out there, Father, for every single person, you love them so much. May they know your love. And may they recognize Jesus for who he really is and what he's really done and what he's making available to them now. I thank you for touching every heart and every life, for doing a mighty work in us tonight. In Jesus' name. Tonight with nobody looking around, in respect to those around you.